Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 26th June 2014. Have a listen please. Offering our humble pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, we welcome you to this week's segment of Afternoon Satsang. As always, this is Prem from Team Radio Sai and with me is Arvind, talking to all of you from our studios at Prashantinilam. Sairam Arvind and on behalf of all of you, let us offer our humble pranams at Swami's lotus feet. We are here to discuss the Ramakatha Rasavahini, the story of Lord Rama as written by our Lord and we are at that part where the prince are traveling with Vishwamitra. But before we come to that, let me also invite Arvind to join the Satsang. Sairam Arvind Sairam Prem and yes as always it is such a beautiful joy to be discussing the story of Rama in the omnipresence of Sai Rama and the omnipresence of dear Bhakt and Lord Hanuman so dear listeners, where we had reached was the shores of the river Sarayu. Just as Vishwamitra is taking the two brothers, Rama and Lakshmana, on what will possibly be the beginning of the divine mission, they enter through the forests that abound on either side of the river Sarayu. And that is when sage Vishwamitra falls into the trap of Maya as Swami narrates this episode. It actually happens on the banks of river Sarayu, but its beginnings happen sometime before itself when they enter the forest. And Sage Vishwamitra tells the two brothers, now this is the dangerous part. This is a part that is infested with ogres, demons and wild animals. So it is time that you put on your armor and hold your bows and keep an arrow you know, loaded onto the bow. Be ready. This is the time for alertness. This is when he starts advising Rama and Lakshmana on how alert and ready they should be in the face of any possible danger. And then nothing happens, nothing uneventful or eventful happens through this journey. And they land up on the banks of river Sarayu. Right. And this is the point where Swami often talks about how the power of Maya is so strong that even those who have recognized the divinity, because the entry of Vishwamitra in the story happens when Vishwamitra comes to the court of Dasharatha and tries to tell him that your sons are not ordinary beings and you don't have to fear sending them with me. That's when he explains that you know they have come for this task. They are people who cannot be deterred from their mission and that same Vishwamitra as you said is now going to embark into a journey of tutoring these two considering them as little insecure boys. I think Prem we have actually gone a little ahead. Our listeners who might not have read or heard the Ramayana would be wondering what happened. Why are these two who were till last week singing glories and praises of sage Vishwamitra now calling him as a person who has fallen in delusion or Maya. Well, what happens is, as they reach the banks of river Sarayu, Sage Vishwamitra tells the two princes that they should have their ablutions, they should have a wash, they should have a bath in the holy river. And then he says that, you know, what you are up to against is something very, very difficult, something very challenging. And therefore, I will impart you, I will instruct you into two mantras. Mantras are hymns or chants which have great potency. He tells them that I will teach you these two mantras, namely Bala and Atibala. And these two mantras will ensure that you don't feel hunger, you don't feel exhaustion, you're ever fresh, you're ever renewed, you're always full and bubbling with energy and this will ensure that your mission is a success, that you will not face any kind of problems because of these. Now this is something very very strange because it was Vishwamitra who reminded Dasharatha of who his children are. He tells, oh king, do not get deluded with attachment. Do not forget that these are not ordinary children. Rama is the Lord incarnate himself and he has come on an divine mission and it is sage Vashishta who comes in and he also says that you are stopping the unfolding of a magnificent mission. So don't do this. And a person who has thus advised King Dasharatha, now himself is thinking that he should equip the two princes so they can battle the demons and ogres better. And uh, in the run of the story, I think the only person who is absolutely consistent with his stand 
and this must be Lord Rama. He's all through pretending that he is, I mean, he's just an ordinary mortal. If you look at Valmiki Ramayana, there are so many dialogues between Vasishtha and Rama, hmm. where Rama would often tell that, you know, I don't know Guru what you're saying, hmm. but I am just Prince Rama, the son of Dashrata, of the king of Ayodhya. You know, this way the Lord behaves, we find it so thrilling and beautiful because we can relate it with our Swami too, you know. Whenever Swami would speak, he would ask, he would ask as if he doesn't know when a drama is being planned. I remember during one of the dramas that we were planning, it was for the 15th of August, the Indian Independence Day, and we had planned an elaborate story. And well, you know, the whole story has its ups and downs. I will not go into those details here. But basically what happened was a point in time came just one day before the drama when we had to narrate this story to Swami Mm -hmm. in order to get his approval. What had happened was the warden had been called into the interview room and he had sought Swami's permission. He said, Swami, tomorrow will be a drama by the boys. This was something historic because it was the first ever time that a patriotic event was being made into a drama in Swami's presence. After that, there have been many dramas. But I think that was the year 2004, the 15th of August. So that was the first time and therefore Swami's permission was being sought. And then Swami said, what is the storyline? Now, the warden did not have a clear picture of the storyline. So, and Mm -hmm. that is why two of us got a chance to go into the interview room under the pretext of telling the story to Swami. And as soon as we entered, you know, Swami just looked at us, smiled. He looked towards me and his face became stern and said, you want to run away to America leaving Indian shores? You want to ditch your motherland and run away to America? So I quickly went on to the defensive and I said, Swami, it's not me, Swami. It's a grandson. It's a grandson who wants to do that. But Swami, you don't worry because... uh, Swami said, yes, because... And he, you know, he cut my sentence short. and He continued. He's saying, because... Because a friend will come. Father's friend. And he will convince. And then, yes, there is Bhagat Singh in the beginning. Then there is the father's friend and the father himself. And Swami started telling one by one the details. In fact, he even asked, why have you not included Lal Bal Pal? Mm-hmm. That is, Lala Lajpat Rai, Bipin Chandra Pal and Bal Gangadhar Tilak. So many things in such short time. You know, both of us were stunned. We were under the impression that we were going to narrate to Swami the details of the drama. And here was Swami who was narrating the details of the drama. But you know, the next moment Swami said, but tell me, why does this happen? And he asked some kind of a doubt and both of us immediately went on our knees, went to Swami and said, see Swami, what is it? And <laughs> you know, as I said, that's a total different story altogether. But the gist of it is that we started explaining to Swami intricacies in the story, forgetting that just a moment before he had revealed all the highlights. Okay. So, you know, this is what I feel is the beauty of Maya. The beauty of Maya is it gives us a chance to interact with the Lord at a human level. Otherwise, there's no need to talk to Swami, you know. What is there that he doesn't know? If information seeking was the reason for which Swami would speak to us, then there would be no chance at all to speak. But in order to give us joy that he would put on this vesture of Maya so that we get a chance of interacting with him, so that we feel kinship with him and then we get inspired by him to rise to our true identity. And even as you're saying, there's an innumerable number of incidents where Swami has you know, put that phase of one who doesn't know or who is kind of completely conceals his omniscience and then for a moment just, you know, flashes that divinity. Mm. I'm reminded of one of our seniors, a very famous incident, I think he narrated it even in front of Swami. You know, when he was in school before he became a student of Swami, mm. his parents wanted to take him to meet one of the Shankaracharyas who were visiting the town he was living in, the city he was living in. And that was the time when he had just started accepting Swami as the incarnation of the divine. The Shankaracharya of... Uh... I'm not sure. I think it is the Shankaracharya of Kanchi. Okay. I'm not too sure though. Huh. So, he was in that typical uh, confusion which most devotees go through. Mm-hmm. He said, here is Swami. Here is the avatar of the age. Why aren't these people guiding the people who come to them to Swami? Correct. You know, why are they receiving the worship and the uh, you know adoration of these people when Swami himself is here and all that they have to do is direct the people to him. Hmm. You know, this was what was troubling him and he said, I don't want to go to any Shankaracharya. I don't want to go to any holy man. When I believe in Swami, why should I go to anybody else? Hmm. So his parents were very uh, you know firm that they wanted to take him along. They said, he's a holy man. You should give him the respect. So let's go. So he had to go. But this dilemma was in his mind and this, you know, this fight was happening in his head. So he goes to that place where he was giving darshan and he was walking along that aisle where he and his father were standing. And all through this question was going on, you know, why do these people do like this? Why don't they, you know, direct people to Swami? And this Shankaracharya, you know, believe it or not, he comes straight to that point where this boy is standing, takes a quick right turn, comes to him and they had offered some garlands on him and they had made a 
crown made of flowers okay you know which is traditionally done in some of the places where they welcome these holy men so there was this crown of flowers and this garland he just comes up to this boy he takes the crown puts it on his head removes the garland and puts it around this boy's neck and walks away hmm. almost to just acknowledge that thought which was running in his mind wow. he was so surprised by this and this happened much before he was a student and uh, many years later when he was in swami's presence you know when you are in swami's presence let's say there's nobody in that interview room only you are there you want something to talk to swami about you know because swami is saying on chipu chipu what else what else so you're looking for some things to tell swami so that you have a conversation running correct so he was you know thinking and then he thought of this incident so he thought uh, he said swami once i went and met the shankaracharya and this happened and then swami said oh really what happened hmm. and this boy started uh, narrating that whole incident and with graphically describing whatever was happening in his head hmm. and swami is saying oh alaga you thought like that oh you told your father like that oh your hmm. father said like this oh then you went and you know that wherever those responses from the listener were required everything was in place and so that enthused him and he was going with that narration in you know full gusto okay. and it came to the point where that shankaracharya was walking and coming down the aisle and when he was about to tell that punch incident swami just stopped him and then swami said and then he came he came to you he removed the crown put it on your head removed the garland and put it around your neck and walked away <laughs> Until then, this boy who was telling this whole story to Swami, hmm. thinking that he is narrating a, you know, something like a, a thriller, suspense thriller to Swami, hmm. Hmm. and Swami was giving all those reactions which were required, suddenly stops him and completes that story. You know, you're very fortunate if Swami does that. You know, How many that times way. have we seen this frame happening? You know, a drama will be going on, and Swami has seen the rehearsals of the drama ten times, and yet when he is watching it for the eleventh time, when the suspense scene comes, he is in as much suspense, and he almost appears tense. wanting to know what's going to happen next what he does when watching this drama he does in the drama of life too which he has directed and this is where you know i feel that we can derive a beautiful definition for maya based on what swami has said you know swami says that god knows everything but he behaves as if he knows nothing man knows nothing but he behaves as if he knows everything you know in my humble opinion i feel this is maya maya is that which makes man who knows nothing behave as if he knows everything and maya is that which makes god who knows everything behave as if he knows nothing the only difference is that in the case of man maya is in control of man but in the case of god god is in control of maya because maya deludes man because he is deluded man behaves as if he knows everything and <laughs> when he knows nothing but because god wants to feel kinship with man and pull him out of maya make him realize his true identity god purposely puts on maya and behaves as if he knows nothing when he knows everything so i just felt that this statement from swami where he says man knows nothing but behaves as if he knows everything and it's vice versa with god that could stand as a beautiful definition for maya itself because it is maya that makes both behave in that manner definitely once i was uh, talking to one of the old students mm. and he uh, shared uh, with us a very interesting thing about maya which swami had told them mm. you know we often talk of maya as something which we have to battle right yeah, something which we have force. to conquer and something mm. which we have to uh, vanquish when swami was speaking to them i think a group of students swami said see maya is the other side of god hmm. he said like the darkness which comes as the flip side of light he said it is not evil or it is not bad he said it is as much aspect of divinity as divinity itself is hmm. so he said don't fight with maya accept it and surrender to it and you'll come to god i mean this student had taken it up so seriously even those bhajans where it comes you know maya vinasha or maya, maya vinasha kamushika vahana you know, he wouldn't say that vinashka he said because swami said it's not to destroy maya maya is not to be destroyed but maya has to be accepted as one of the aspects of divinity though i am jumping a little ahead here i thought it will be apt to bring it in because swami has given a beautiful comparison from the ramayana i mean you know so many similes and metaphors right. we had spoken one where rama is atma rama and sita is wisdom right but in another analogy swami says rama is the supreme lord and sita is maya right and behind is uh, lakshmana and in the forest when they would walk it would always be like that rama in the at the head and sita behind him mother sita behind him and lakshmana forming the back of the three member convoy and this is how they would walk through the forest so swami says that lakshmana need not battle mother sita he just has to bow down and say mother can i have the darshan of the lord then mother sita would move and he could see rama so as you said swami says you need not battle maya you need not fight maya you should use love it will be much easier for maya also since it's an aspect of god will shower the same compassion and make way for wisdom so that you will be able to see the lord 
in all his majesty and brilliance in the bhagavad purana it said mother yashoda has that vision of seeing the whole cosmos in the mouth of the little child krishna ah, baby krishna you know that's the most phenomenal experience a devotee can have and mm. you cannot go beyond that you know you cannot doubt the divinity of an avatar beyond that but you know once that vision is given to her it seems krishna immediately withdraws it you know immediately he takes that vision away because he says i have come here to give you the joy of treating me as a child mm. he said if i don't give you this maya you will not enjoy this he said i don't want you to see me as a you know divine entity and worship me i want you to relate to me as a child and behave with me like you are my mother because i remember coming across this in a, one of the discourses where as you said mother sita stands for the maya aspect and when you say maya it's just that duality you know exactly. when you say divinity it is that oneness and that is what i maya, thought when you were when you were saying that darkness is not bad the minute there is light there has to be darkness right. because light doesn't have meaning without darkness exactly. so this is just duality and nothing more than that it's like saying this is positive current this is negative current and positive negative have to come together for the current to flow it is, doesn't mean that positive is something good and negative is something bad right and that when you say duality it is nothing but the presence of diversity which is nature mm. you know there is god and god is nature but that presence of nature and the diversity which you see is nothing but maya and that is why in fact in that discourse swami was saying why swami says you have to go from you know samashti to parameshti where you have to honor nature you have to give the due respect which is meant for nature and mm. that is when you can transcend it and go to the purusha in fact in the ramkatha rasavahini swami categorically states that maya will bind you irrespective of your spiritual attainments your skills your talent your abilities nothing it doesn't discriminate it comes equally to everyone the only way you can overcome maya swami says in the ramkatha rasavahini is when you give up body attachment when you stop identifying yourself with this body mind apparatus that you think is you and you are able to as you say grow from vyashti individual to samashti that is society grow further into srishti that is nature finally into parameshti where you realize that everything is nothing but a reflection of the same thing so there's nothing like you me it's all one that state of advaita only when you are in that advaitic state will maya not affect you otherwise it affects everybody and swami says see even a sage like vishwamitra was affected by maya in spite of his grand spiritual achievements so maya spares nobody the only way to overcome maya is through giving up body attachment exactly in fact uh, we mentioned this many times before but i think whenever we talk of maya this analogy should find its place mm-hmm. because it's so beautiful the one which swami says about god being the master of a house and maya being the dog that guards the gates of that house swami would say if you want to enter the house this dog is there stopping you there are three ways in which you can enter that house you befriend the dog and then you enter mm-hmm. or you appear like the owner of the house to the dog and you enter or you call out to the owner the owner will come with you and walk you into the house then the dog will not do anything and that's mm-hmm. why swami says when you befriend you know the dog it means you serve the society mm-hmm. you make harmony with nature around you mm-hmm. that is one means and the other is you become like the owner which swami says is sarupyam mm-hmm. and which is nothing but swami says love is my form so you become that form and the final one is you call out to the lord and that's the path of bhakti right you hmm. you plead to him to come and accompany you exactly and you know this shows the three things bhakti karma and jnana where when you befriend the dog it is karma you know you play with the dog you feed it some tidbits that is what you said you know you serve the society because duality is maya the society is maya the creation is maya anything nature is maya so when you are in harmony with nature that is using the path of action then when you become the master you know you take on the form of the master that is jnana you realize your unity with the master that is the other way third is as you said bhakti where you call out to the master the master comes down and he says hey you know <laughs> brownie or tommy or whoever just be quiet and the dog doesn't bark anymore and you can walk with the master so beautiful even as you're talking of maya i think i'll just sneak in one more little sweet incident which i heard mm-hmm. and uh, maybe we'll proceed after that we hope hanuman will spare us <laughs> yeah i think so i think we have already done that disclaimer that right. ramkatha rasavahini often transforms into saikatha rasavahini and i'm sure lord hanuman will forgive us and he won't know the difference actually between sai and rama right now this is narrated by one of our very uh, elderly former students hmm. mr pandya hmm. he is currently residing in canada and mr nimesh pandya or mayur pandya his brother mayur pandya okay ha you know when he was a student here you know he often had this doubt okay so he used to wonder you know here is god and you say that god is nada brahman you know, the 
every sound and all music and all languages have their origin in him hmm. and he said why is swami speaking english so badly <laughs> Okay. You know why is Swami's English so accented? Hmm. Because uh, heavily South Indian right, accent, heavily South Indian accent, and then you would always find that a few prepositions being left out here and there, and hmm. you've always heard Swami speak like that. And he said, "Why is Swami not speaking flawless English hmm. when he's speaking flawless Sanskrit? When he's speaking flawless Telugu? Telugu, he should be able to speak every language on earth flawlessly. And why is he speaking English so badly?" So this was a doubt which always troubled him and you know one day he said Swami came to the portico and called for the car and got in and Swami called an American devotee you know to go out for a drive and uh, he was fortunate enough to join that club I'm not sure who the devotee was maybe it might have been okay continue. okay so uh-huh. he gets into the car and this boy is sitting in front and this American devotee and Swami is sitting behind and as the car starts Swami starts talking to this American devotee in flawless American accented English okay and he is dazed he is looking at both of them and that devotee is absolutely casually conversing with swami as though this is how swami always spoke to him hmm. and swami spoke so fluently and it was amazing you know he was so surprised by the way swami spoke and uh, i'm sure that here and there swami would have turned to him and given him that meaning glance and after the drive swami went out you know for a 15 minute drive and on the way back swami dropped primary into school? the primary school yes i think i'm almost 99% sure it is his love okay then i think okay. it must be his love huh. so he says you know when he goes into one of the classes there i think the first standard class in there it is like c for cat and a for apple and all that swami said what is this and you know one of the kids said swami c a t o and swami said c a t cat o b a t bat o and you know i think one of the kids were trying to tell swami swami it's not that it's cat it's not not cat o and then swami looked at you know this brother mr pandya and smiled you know i think there was so much sweetness in that yes we were lost sometimes yes we forgot what he was but you know we yearned for those i often call them faqs when swami would come and say where are you from what is your name yes you know which place are you from you know that he knows everything and that's why we are here we are here because he knows everything but we always yearned for those questions didn't we you know my mother tongue is kannada and i had this experience where on those few chances when i got to speak to swami mm-hmm. first in the beginning of my student days i would always speak in kannada because swami knows all languages but swami would always respond to me in telugu in fact that is the major reason why i picked up telugu because i felt that maybe you know he knows all languages but he chooses to converse in only in telugu so i have to pick up telugu but then i think this was in my first year undergraduation or maybe in my 12th grade okay swami went to inaugurate a kalyanamandapam somewhere in rajarajeshwari nagar right. in bangalore that. yes we yes. all part of that yeah so if you remember on that day on the lawns a huge audience had gathered right and as swami rose to speak the translator went and took the podium swami said no you sit down and then swami apologized and said my kannada is not so good right i remember that and swami delivered a 45 minutes discourse in kannada and i am saying prem since my mother tongue is kannada it was such a joy to listen to him and it was flawless kannada and he was speaking directly to the <laughs> hearts of the people so though karnataka and andhra pradesh are neighboring states it's not as if telugu and kannada have almost similar script it is so different it is quite easy to pick up but it is very different even to this day after practicing for 10 years i cannot speak flawless telugu <laughs> means when i speak telugu people right. can make out that i have learned You're telugu native yeah i am not a native and i have learned telugu that they can make that out but you could not make that out with swami and yes it is as we have discussed it over and over again it is to give us that joy that the lord puts on the vesture sometimes he really draws it away from you even when you're having that oh I, i remember one of my classmates he was sitting uh, and swami had called a group of foreigners for an interview and swami as often he does he came out of the interview and was still having a few words with those people who were coming out and this boy was sitting very close enough at ear shot could hear what the conversation was mm-hmm. he realized that swami was speaking in a language which was not indian uh-huh. and that lady whom he was speaking to was also speaking to him in you know very uh, very fluently in some language and then swami turned to this boy and swami said did you understand what i said so he said no swami swami said it's italian <laughs> okay swami said it's italian and so this boy was you know I, i'm sure he would have had tears in his eyes and he was so grateful that swami yeah, right swami had revealed and given him an opportunity to witness that so he was so over and he was looking at swami with all love and swami looked at him and said yeh miledra i mean it's nothing they keep coming every year i keep speaking to them i pick up here a few words here and there and i picked up 
the language that is a beauty you <laughs> know the minute he, he reveals he again quickly covers it back and i recently received a kind of a quote if you can say so okay from a junior of mine who is residing in america and uh, it was very interesting and i felt that is so apt for swami he said this awe awe that is there awe should be inspired only sometimes then becomes awesome if it's full of it always it becomes awful <laughs> so that is why swami is awesome you know because only sometimes he would do that thing to elicit awe from us oh my god this is god i remember ramon sir our school teacher saying oh god my god this is god you know that was the explanation <laughs> he said that mm-hmm. he felt so if we had to live in that awe all the time so much of beautiful that madhura the sweetness would be lost and therefore only a few times here and there to show us who he is swami would inspire awe and that's why he is awesome because he did sometimes and it would be awful if it was done <laughs> always because then we would lose the chance of the sweet interactions and that's the beauty you know i was listening to one of the speakers sometime back who said when he was in an interview with swami there was another group and that lady who was part of that group was asking swami they were apparently building a new house what color curtains to buy for their bedroom okay and you know this speaker said that how stupid of you you are in the presence of divinity and you asking such questions but i think from swami's point of view to a great extent swami wanted us to do that swami said make me a part of every small part of your life you know make me the center of everything that you do it's not just every time you come in front of me don't ask me about the atman you know that's not what swami wanted and i think we would have been faking it if we did that all the time exactly swami said yes you have been put in a life you are given a life make me a member of every event that happens in your life i think nothing can be more spiritual than that and i think that swami achieved by putting on this garb of maya every now and then allowing us you know to tell him every detail to explain every detail to him and that is precisely what rama also did because everybody got the joy of beautiful interaction with rama sage vashishta you know we spoke about how he got the chance to be a tutor to rama only because rama chose to put on maya dasharatha got a chance to be a father to rama only because rama put on the maya in the same way vishwamitra too got to instruct rama because rama chose to put on this vesture of maya and therefore vishwamitra instructed both the brothers into bala and atibala and we have that clip right, right where swami narrates yeah we listen to that small clip where swami narrates this how he taught them bala and atibala and how he himself fell into that maya of lord rama ee vishwamitrudu dasharatham daggara వీరు సాక్షాత్ నారాయణ మూర్తి ఇతని యొక్క శక్తి సామర్థ్యం నీకు అర్థం కాదు వీరు నీవు కుమారుల భావంతో నీవు జీవిస్తున్నావు నీకు కుమారులు కాదు వీరు పరమాత్మ స్వరూపులని ఇంత ధైర్యం చెప్పినటువంటి విశ్వామిత్రుడు విశ్వామిత్ర హూ గేవ్ ఆల్ ద కరేజ్ టు దశరథ టెలింగ్ డోంట్ టేక్ యువర్ సన్స్ ఎస్ ఆర్డినరీ పీపుల్ నో దర్ వెరీ డివైన్ అది తీరమునకు దక్షిణ భాగంలో వచ్చి చేరేటప్పటికీ సాయంకాలం అయిపోయింది ఇట్ వాస్ ఈవినింగ్ టైం బై ది టైం దే రీచ్ ద బ్యాంక్స్ ఆఫ్ సరయూ రివర్ అంతటి జ్ఞాని విశ్వామిత్రుడు తిరిగి మాయలో మునిగాడు విశ్వామిత్ర బీంగ్ ద వన్ ఆఫ్ విజ్డమ్ ఈజ్ ఆల్సో క్యారీడ్ అవే బై ఇల్యూజన్ రామ లక్ష్మణ ఇది కఠినమైన అరణ్యములు రామా లక్ష్మణ దీస్ ఎ థిక్ ఫారమైనటువంటి రాక్షసులు సంచరించేటువంటి యొక్క అడవులు you find the demons moving all around meer ye naadu kodunu ee rakshasulu meer choodaledu you never saw them earlier meeki bhaya prantulu poye nimittamai meeku oka mantra upadesham chestanu annadu in order to see that you'll never be afraid of them i'll teach you a mantra bala bala ane itunte mantra upadesham chesadu the two mantras the bala and the bala aa mantra upadesham chesi tarvata yochinchadu chi 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 enta maayilo munutunnan nenu later he thought i am delu satchat bhagavantuniki nenu mantrapadesham cheyatama and teaching to very god himself idiye maya yokka prabhavamu this effect of delusion ani taanu chintinchukoni tirigi ramanachunuluku cheppaledu that was that tiny clip so beautifully swami says that immediately after that he repents that he fell for that maya even in the ramkatha rasavahini if you read swami beautifully describes how rama is very gracious he smiles lakshmana almost laughs he is laughing because what is this happening say vishwamitra is teaching my brother rama who is the supreme lord at the same time though lakshmana laughs out to himself he also accepts the mantra and both of them receive it with great humility and obedience to the sage and after that they move on and as they start moving on you know swami described how it was the evening time when these mantras are given right it's almost night and it's time to take rest and they come across a very very beautiful place at the confluence of the sarayu and ganga so this region is so beautiful and rama asks vishwamitra oh revered sage what is this land it is so beautiful it is so magnificent and they see a hermitage which is very peaceful and a lovely place right so that is when sage vishwamitra tells him the story of the place he says that this is 
is the place where the famous episode of Manmata Dahanam, right, where My Lord Shiva, uh, Lord Shiva burns down Kamadeva or desire. That took place in this very region, and therefore this is a Shiva ashram, and it is a haven for all tapasvis, all people who do penance. It is abundant. It has abundant spiritual vibes. It's a beautiful place to say, but you know it has very strict discipline. You should be ready to adhere to that strict discipline, and then only will you be allowed. Are you ready for that? And you know Rama and Lakshmana are so thrilled at the prospects of being in such a hallowed place. So they say yes, yes, we will abide by everything, and we would be very, very happy to stay here. And Vishwamitra. smiles because he knows that naturally they are not going to say that oh no you know what is the strict discipline we can't manage this <laughs> again you know forgive me i am reminded just before we left for hadshi swami had selected a few of us and it was such a beautiful chance mm-hmm. i couldn't get sleep for nights before you know i am butterflies are flying free air space in my stomach and <laughs> just waiting for the day when we can set out and on one occasion when swami called us he told us see i'm taking you there but you have to follow discipline strictly you should avoid looking at the women men here and there you should not do that you should not loiter around you should not talk unnecessarily you should not talk excessively and you should have a strict discipline uh, is it fine it's okay and naturally <laughs> yes swami we will we will abide by everything then swami said yes yes don't worry it's very comfortable to stay there their rooms are having air conditioning and fan as well but don't use both of them together use any one you know it was so <laughs> sweet but i was just remembering how uh, you know when i again read vishwamitra talking to rama and lakshmana i was reminded of that naturally who would not want yes it is such a great privilege and discipline is such a small price to pay if at all it's a price to pay and that is something we realize once we get a taste of what spirituality is and what god is that discipline is actually a very very small price to pay for god and for spirituality which are great and grand treasures really is that's what we've all learnt in the hostel and you've said it many times before very beautifully swami would say i don't want any sadhana from you fellows <laughs> i know you're not capable of anything he said just follow the discipline of the hostel and you know that discipline of the hostel which was meant to be as swami would say it's a gurukula it was meant to have those disciplines but mm. swami transformed that discipline as make this as your offering to me mm. so that made it all the more simple you know you wake up in the morning you do it for swami you go for suprabhatam you do it for swami everything whatever struggle was there that struggle was offered to swami you know he made it so beautiful another point which i'd like to make here arvind this is very beautiful the contrast here you know there is this ashram of shiva where he says that this is where manmata was burned down as the story goes that before shiva gets wedded to mother parvati it is believed that manmata comes and tries to inspire love in lord shiva who is lost in tapas a little right? more background to this is that yeah, uh, sure. the sati story takes place right we will not go into that story but after sati shiva decides that he is not going to you know get into samsara as such and therefore he becomes the ascetic in the meanwhile there is tarkasura there's a demon who starts terrorizing the earth because the annihilator lord shiva has gone into meditation mm-hmm. and that is when brahma says that the only way is shiva is not going to come but tarkasura has a boon that only a son born to shiva can kill him okay and this cannot happen now because shiva has become an ascetic and renounced everything so that is when they decide that sati has taken birth again as parvati sati was the lord shiva's bride so she has taken birth again as parvati and parvati from her childhood she is the daughter of king himavan who is supposed to be the ruler of the kingdom of the himalayas and that is why they say the entire himalayas belongs to lord shiva because it belongs to his father in law mm-hmm. himavan okay. so parvati is from childhood she has the only desire of marrying lord shiva and so the time is ripe it's only that shiva has to be brought out of his penance and that is how kamadeva or the lord of love you know if you see the depiction of kamadeva these are all very symbolic kamadeva is full green in color he rides okay. a parrot he has got a bow made of sugarcane mm-hmm. and the string of the bow is made of honey bees and he has an arrow which is studded with five flowers okay basically it is spring festival you know spring is the season of romance when there's romanticism in the air so spring and romance has been concretized as a god in sanatana dharma and that is kamadeva and so it is said that kamadeva shoots this arrow to lord shiva and momentarily lord shiva Shiva gets you know enamored by Parvati she later becomes goddess Parvati and because of this Lord Shiva is very upset because for a single moment he appeared to have lost his balance and therefore when he just looks at Kamadeva Kamadeva is burnt into ashes and that is what you know we sing in the lingashtakam also kamadahana karuna karalingam kamadahana means one who burnt kama but see the next line is karuna karalingam he burnt kama but he so much of compassion because he resurrects kama you know often people ask the question how is it that god can get angry in my humble opinion i just feel that whatever you are 
able to undo you are allowed to do you are allowed to kill if you have the ability to grant life so often when you have anger the damage and consequences of anger we have no power to correct it so therefore we are advised not to get angry but when it comes to a realized soul or when it comes to god they have the ability to in quotes correct what has happened they can do either ways so therefore it is fine i am sorry i am going to another tangent but i think you should go into that but before that even as you were saying what you said i reminded of a wonderful okay. quote by okay. rabindranath tagore it's just a one liner so you can continue after that he says god says i hurt because i can heal hmm. i punish because i love wow. you know, that's uh, it's in a nutshell what you were just saying exactly yeah, please because there is this incident in i think living with the himalayan masters okay. by swami rama right. he writes of an incident where he's discoursing he is having his own you know powers and he has become a swami and he is discoursing and people are listening among the crowd there is somebody who is very very distracted he seems very distracted and uh, swami rama is discoursing on the greatest secrets of life the reason for life and the power of life and he just tells him that if you are not interested and you are distracted you can please get up and leave stop being so fidgety and he says no what you say of life doesn't make sense at all you know it's meaningless swami rama is angry he is infuriated and he says but he still maintains his composure and says please get up and go the person gets up picks up a big black ant comes to swami rama and just cuts it into two and the ant dies there he says okay now what do you do to this ant now what is the secret of life you know the secret of life you said swami rama says you killed an ant uh, the person takes back the two parts of the ant puts them together and swami rama writes that that ant comes back to life and starts walking and he says you know this is the secret of life okay all that you say is nothing and that person walks away swami rama then realizes that you know just discoursing on the secret of life is not actually the secret of life so he realizes that the person who appeared to be very distracted is actually the master of life because who else could be called about the master of secret of life than he who can give life so in the same way now you cannot find any fault in him cutting the ant because any time he wants he can give back life to the ant so i feel this is another thumb rule that we can follow to see whether you know that person is doing this why can't i I do this if we are having the capacity and the ability to change back undo whatever we have done then go ahead and do because you can change back anytime in the sense like even if you feel it's a mistake you can undo it but if you don't have that capacity better not do that mistake very beautiful i think it's a wonderful insight atwin and if you look at this you know that very incident where lord shiva he burns down manmata and i think that's why they say that after that when he's resurrected he is without a form yes he's, he becomes the formless uh, lord you know Imagine Vishwamitra is narrating this and we spoke about Vishwamitra the last time and Vishwamitra himself had that history where the second time the first time he falls for the damsel Menaka but the second time when Rambha is sent to him he gets infuriated and curses her there's a beautiful parallel here hmm. here is Vishwamitra he is an ascetic Shiva who is playing the role of an ascetic here Vishwamitra cursed the carrier of that emotion hmm. you know Rambha came to instigate that love he cursed the carrier but Lord Shiva he actually destroyed the love itself that kama the itself the wrong desire the desire Lust. itself you know that was the difference because we often do that you know shoot the messenger is a mistake which we often do but i remember i forget the king's name but i remember the quote he says that i look towards not destroying my enemies but in destroying the enmity so right. when his courtier told him that how are you embracing your enemy he says he is not my enemy any longer i have killed the enmity i always try to kill the enmity and not the enemy right in fact that was even what abraham lincoln used to say i think oh okay you know, the okay. best way to kill an enemy is to make him a friend wow <laughs> And you know that's the that's a very strong parallel I see there because Shiva was saying that use your ascetic powers to destroy that desire itself. Don't try to harm those people who try to cause that desire in you. Yes, do not harm the carrier of the desire. Right. Destroy the desire itself. Desire Go to the root itself. of it. In fact, as you said, Manmatha or Kamadeva is destroyed, and after that, he is formless. He is subtly pervading everywhere, and they say that is what Vasanta is a time when he comes. That is Vasanta is spring. Spring. is the time when there is love in the air because yes kamadeva is in the air he doesn't have a body anymore and because he lost a body you know anga is a limb of the body right and when you lose all the limbs of the body just as uh, kamadeva lost it called ananga 
so kamadeva is also called ananga and this region where he lost all his angas is called the anga raja anga rajya right the kingdom of anga and it it corresponds with current day bihar and parts of west bengal is it okay in india so vishwamitra tells this to rama and lakshmana that we are in the anga kingdom which is at the confluence of the sarayu and ganga and that is how they come to rest at this ashram and when they rest in the shiva ashram you know the, everybody is thrilled there because you know it's a celebrity in their midst so all the inmates of the ashram come the celebrity is one vishwamitra because he is the ideal that many wish to attain he is right. the hero he is a spiritual hero for them at the same time the added bonus are rama and lakshmana who have not yet achieved their fame but everybody is thrilled because two princes of the kingdom have come there and so a lot of people also come to the shivashrama and again vishwamitra discourses at length in the night before they all sleep with good thoughts another good practice for all of us to imbibe good thoughts before we sleep because i have noticed most of the nights when uh, there are bad thoughts or worried thoughts before i sleep i don't get a good night sleep it's always nice to go to bed finally with thoughts of god or good thoughts noble thoughts nice thoughts so that our dreams and our experiences in the in the sleep state are also good so i mean we'll just take a quick break there we'll just play a small song on lord rama we'll come back dear listeners after that they are progressing there is one more event which happens before they go and take shelter that night in the ashram of shiva which we'll just make a short mention of that but not till we are done with this song so stay tuned we'll get back to you after the song Mama hai daya kul jani vaas ke kuru samani 
coming back to the story before they go to the ashrama of shiva and they rest for the evening swami says that you know they come across the river right they come mm-hmm. across the river sarayu and there they do their evening sandhya and as we all know the sandhya vandanam the most important component of that is the gayatri mantra correct the chanting of the gayatri mantra and how special it is you know they they are doing sandhya vandanam chanting the gayatri mantra swami specifically mentions that they chanted the gayatri mantra in the presence of sage vishwamitra you know he is the one who is supposed to have received that mantra and given it to the world in fact it is said that is why he gets that name that appellation vishwamitra friend of the entire world oh because the gayatri mantra is so potent it's so potent and he has given it to entire mankind and they are chanting that very mantra in the presence of you know sage vishwamitra wow that's lovely and so it is after that that they come and right. rest in shiva ashrama and from then on the next day morning they they wake up they have their ablutions in the river ganga they cross the ganga and then enter the thick forests in that region and that is when vishwamitra tells them the story of those thick forests apparently they were two flourishing kingdoms called malada and karosha and they were flourishing with people and they were complete you know well planned cities and they have been ruined and they have come to the state mm-hmm. that is when rama asks oh sage what happened that is when vishwamitra tells them about tataki and her son maricha maricha right and he says about that story where there is this king who is ruling in that area who is supposed to have earned a boon from brahma his name is suketu yes actually suketu is a yaksha what happens is when vishwamitra says that tataki is a yaksha's daughter and her son is maricha who is also a yaksha yaksha is again like a, a semi rakshasa a semi demon and semi god or something okay. like that okay so it's in between that is when ramas asks saying that but yakshas are not so powerful how is it that tataki is able to do this and that is when vishwamitra goes into the story of tataki says that suketu was a yaksha who was very very noble and pious and he prayed to brahma and brahma blessed him with the boon that he will get a very 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 powerful offspring powerful right. and strong and you know everywhere perfect offspring he gets a daughter but she is very beautiful and she has tremendous strength and that is why he looks towards finding a perfect match for her and marries her to sunda sunda is a demon actually but he is very very powerful so a powerful demon marries a powerful yakshi and the offspring is maricha maricha will come later in our ramayana story also so therefore it's important that we remember this so sunda and uh, tataki give birth to maricha because they think no end of themselves vanity and pride they come so easily when you have ego that is body attachment they think that they are supreme and they start causing problems in that region but i think before that the story of malada and karosha itself is something which we have you know skipped okay because you know, uh, it starts by saying that that's what lord rama is asking vishwamitra he says this place looks like it was a very flourishing kingdom once upon a time correct you know how did it become like this so how did it become like that the answer was tataki and maricha but how in the first place be a flourishing the, kingdom yes uh, so dear listeners you know what happened these are called upakathas there are small small sub stories but these are the sub stories that give actual meaning and give us a detailed background and history and help us in our understanding of the main story so the story goes that again you know these upakathas will have further branchings and just as i'm thinking of it itself i'm thinking oh my god i'm going to take you deep but it will be terrific let me assure you there was this rakshasa called vritra okay vritra who was born as a formidable foe to indra mm-hmm. and the story goes that indra in order to defeat vritra needed to have a very special and potent weapon and the weapon had to be made from a person who has been selfless all his life and who has got great power because of penance and sage dadichi is one such and he therefore gives up his body because he has no body attachment and his bones are used to make a mace for lord indra with which he kills vritra now though vritra is a rakshasa he is a brahmachari and a brahmin a person who is engaged in the pursuit of brahman mm-hmm. because of which indra incurs a curse okay curse of killing a person who is engaged in penance to find out the nature of brahman that is okay. what is okay. brahmachari that's what is brahmin so because of that he gets the mala mala means stain 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 yeah. of killing a brahmin sin of sin of killing the killing brahmin. brahmin and karosha 
Karosha means the cry, the painful cry. He is in agony. Yeah, what happens is because of that uh, sin, he is struck by an unsatiable hunger. You know how much ever they feed him, he is not able to uh, conquer that hunger. And you know you can imagine that if you are constantly every moment in that pangs of hunger, you wail like a baby. Right. That is how the sin takes form in his body. And it is in this region that the sages take him and dip him in the Ganga, Ganga and, and cleanse and, him of the right. sins and give him relief. And therefore, Indra becomes happy and returns to his abode. And therefore, since this is the place where his mala or the stain or the sin of killing was washed off, a kingdom malada comes. And since the krosha, his cry has been stopped here and he has been healed of the crying. From the word krosha comes the kingdom karosha. But you know, Prem, I want to take you back to the story of the battle between Indra and Vritra. Okay. Because there is one very important point which I feel is relevant here. And I had right. heard this from our school teacher, Pravina sir. Mm-hmm. He was narrating this when he was teaching us Vedas. Okay. He was telling us that Vedas have a pronunciation. They also have intonation. Mm-hmm. And you should pronounce them properly because if wrongly pronounced, the Sanskrit words can mean something else. So, that we know. We know that pronunciation is so important not only in Sanskrit, in any other language. Right. But the Vedas have another thing called intonation. You know, when we chant, Ganana Amtva Ganapati Gum Hava Mahem. So, there are some that come high, that come mid, that come low, right. and that come double high. These are the four kinds of intonations that are there. Now, I am not remembering the exact details, but he said that there is a story behind how this Vritra was born, in fact. There was a kind of you know, yagna that was being conducted in order to give birth to a being who will protect and take care of Indra. Mm-hmm. So, again, I am not sure if it's exactly Vritra, but uh, let us say they wanted to give rise to a being who will protect Indra. Okay. And so, therefore, the chant, the words go as Indra Shatru Vardhaswa. And again, I am not sure of the intonations. Mm-hmm. I don't want to chant the wrong intonations here. But if chanted correctly, it would mean that this yagna is an offering in order to give rise to a being who will kill Indra's Shatru. Shatru. That enemies who, of Indra. Who, who will, who will destroy the enemies of Indra and keep Indra and Indra, right. But the intonation of the chant became wrong because of which it meant let this give birth to an enemy of Indra who will destroy him. Okay. Rather than a being who will destroy the enemies of Indra, it will give birth to an enemy of Indra who will destroy him. And it's just because of one intonation in that. Intonation going wrong. One Not line. even the word. A word has been pronounced correctly. But the intonation going wrong and this was an example that we would be given during the first class of our Veda chanting. And you know, they would tell that is the reason why you have to chant it properly. And there used to be many jokes, you know, they would say that chanting one wrong intonation is equal to incurring the sin of killing hundred cows or thousand cows, I don't know. (laughs) And we would often joke that, you know, the way we are chanting the Gokulam will get wiped out. (laughs) There was a very long-standing joke in the Vedam group where you say, CPMs, that's how they used to say, cows per minute. Cows per minute, the number of... <laughs> to say how badly a person is chanting Veda, you know, his CPM is this much. His CPM High CPM much. means your chanting is horrible. <laughs> so, you know, that is why our ever-loving Swami has given us the Yadakshara Padabrashtam Mantra. Right. Which is a Kshama Prarthana, seeking forgiveness for Visarga Bindu Matrani. If you have made errors in the Visarga, which are the two dots, Matras or Bindu, these are the different pronunciations and the later on the intonations also. <laughs> but you know the sad thing, Prem, that many times... The Kshama Prasna itself we chant wrong. <laughs> you know, and that's the beauty because one thing which Swami has often told is, you know, that's the speciality of the Kali Yuga. You know, when you talk of a yagna, when you talk of a ritualistic practice, there were so many of these little details which had to be done correctly. You know, the dimension of that yagna kunda should be perfect. The kind of things which went into the fire, the way the fire was made. There mm. were so many little details and every one of that had to be done perfectly. You know, when we come to the part where we say Vishwamitra did the yagna to protect which Rama and Lakshmana have come, you know, we will talk about how much detail Swami goes into how it was done. But the fact was, Swami says that in Kali Yuga, that intention being pure can take care of everything else. That's a great blessing of Kali Yuga. Which we often curse as the baddest of times. Hmm. And that's why Swami says that, yes, I know you are not capable of being so perfect in all these things, but do it with the right intention. Do it with the intention of offering it to God and do it selflessly and that will take care of all the mistakes which you do. Of course, that doesn't you know give you the license to go around doing all the mistakes. Correct. You know, if you are going about thinking that you have the license to do mistakes, again your intention Intention goes wrong. So keep a pure intention and do your best to win the bonus points also of getting the intonation and chanting right. Because we often chant Veda. Vedas are so powerful. So we also have our Vedam tutor that will come up very soon again. Okay, coming back to this, we were talking about Malada and Karosha. So these kingdoms have now been brought to ruin because 
when the trio of sunda tataki and maricha start destroying everything sage agastya gets upset because they are damaging the kingdom they are destroying the society they are destroying nature he curses sunda to death sunda dies and when the demon sunda dies tataki is enraged like no end and she and maricha start wreaking even greater havoc in the regions and now sage agastya curses tataki into ugliness you know that's a very beautiful point because before that as you said agastya kills sunda who comes and tries to trouble him mm-hmm. but he doesn't kill tataki he says that tataki is woman and a brahmin should not incur the sin of killing a woman yes. so he disfigures her and you know converts her into an ogress he puts yeah the dual curse one is he curses her to be ugly disfigures her then he curses her to be an ogress and yet it doesn't start you know when she becomes an ogress she becomes ugly and things also turn ugly because she starts doing even more damage finally agastya just moves away from there and the whole region gets devastated and now it is time for rama to kill tataki and maricha and redeem the region that is when rama gets a very important doubt he says to vishwamitra that when agastya refrained from killing tataki because she is a woman how do you expect me to kill a woman now is this not unfair that i kill a woman and the explanation that vishwamitra gives is wonderful no doubt but it is no match to the explanation that swami gives in ramkatha rasavahini and in his discourses so we will go to that during our next night of ramkatha rasavahini dear listeners so we we'll leave you with the song now we concluding the ramkatha rasavahini be back again we promised to kill tataki this week we couldn't <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably do it the next time we meet with the ramkatha satsang so for now we'll leave you with this beautiful song on lord rama काव्य मुरासे 
ಕವಿತನು ಸಹಿತೀವಿ ಭಾಷೆಯ ರಾಣಿ ಕರಕು ಗೋಯಕು ಕಾವ್ಯ ಮುಲಾಸೆ ಕವಿತನು ಸಹಿತೀವಿ ನಾಮನಂಬುರ ನಿಲಿಚಿಯುಂಡವ ನಾಮನಂಬುರ ನಿಲಿಚಿಯುಂಡವ ನಾಜನ್ಮು ಪರಿಂಪಜೀಯವ ರಾಮ ರಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ರಾಮ ರಾಮ ರಘುರಾಮ ರಾಮ ರಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ರಾಮ ರಾಮ ರಘುರಾಮ ರಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಮೀನಾಚಾರಕಂತಂ ರಾಮ ರಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ಮೀನಾಮೀನಾಚಾರಕಮಂತ್ರಂ ಮಧುರಂ ಮಧುರಂ ದಿವ್ಯವರಂ ಮಧುರಂ ಮಧುರಂ ದಿವ್ಯವರಂ ಪರಮ ಪಾವನಂ ರಾಮ ರಾಮ ಶ್ರೀರಾಮ ರಾಮ ರಾಮ ರಘುರಾಮ 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 Ram you just heard an episode of our radio program afternoon satsang this was a segment of radio sai's thursday live hosted by prem and arvind at 12:30 pm indian standard time on thursdays only on asia stream of radio sai global harmony the discussion was on the ramakatha rasavahini a book written by swami and today's episode was first broadcast live on 26th june 2014 Dear listeners we hope you like this program as always send us your feedback to listener@radiosai.org thank you and loving sairam from prashant nilayam